Thank you for listening to the Shore Church of God podcast. It is our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, and we're glad that you're joining us. Our services begin each Sunday at 10 a.m. For directions or any more information, you can visit our website at scog.com. We apologize for the poor quality at the beginning of this message. The quality will improve after the first few minutes. Thank you for your patience, and enjoy! We're talking about, uh, we've been talking about Easter, and what Easter means, and all the different things, and it's really easy to follow along with that, because we've got little icons that go with each week, so I bet you can't guess what comes next week. Uh, so, we kind of have this drumbeat of Easter going on, this important week, this most important week in the history of mankind, we're spending six weeks on, because it's so important. So we've, we've done the triumphant entry, and we've talked about communion, we've talked about foot washing, we've talked about the restitution of, of Peter and what that all would look like. And this week, we're talking about the crown of thorns. I have one of these. The church has one of these. This isn't my personal headwear. I had to poke myself so many times in like the last 30 seconds. You have no idea, right? Um, and got little pinpricks, and, and I'm being very, very careful. And this comes out of John 19, where when uh, the Romans are making fun of Jesus, they slam this on his forehead. I don't like this message. To be totally honest with you, I didn't like preparing it, I don't like delivering it, I don't like none of it. Because this doesn't serve a purpose. This is just mockery. The cross serves purpose. I can understand Christ's suffering and sacrifice on the cross because that's where this this cosmic restoration of humanity and the the sacrifice of the firstborn son of God taking away all of our sins. I can get that. I can understand that. Kind of. (laughs) This is just cruel. And so thinking about it and, and kind of working through, it's nasty. Like, this is nasty. We, we, we see this and we're like, oh, yeah, it's like a blackberry. But no, these are nasty, nasty things. And you imagine that being placed on your head. So this is what we're going to talk about today. What it looks like. What it feels like. A crown of thorns for your king. We meditate on what that is as we think about that for the rest of the time we are together today. I want to think about this crown of thorns and what does it matter and why is the symbol of Easter and why is it even in there? Because I struggle with it. And why, why did you have to do that? Why, why did that happen? What's that all about? So today we're going to spend some time on that. John 1 says he was there, he was creating with God as that whole Trinity thing works. He's there in the beginning, he was always there, always will be there. King, ruler of the universe for all eternity, for all past, all present, and all future, is going through the humiliation of having a crown of thorns jammed on his head. A coronation, if you will, of mockery. 
If you ever had the chance or the opportunity to watch a coronation of a king, I mean, we've all watched movies where at the end of it, you know, someone's getting something placed on their head. And it's this big pomp and circumstance. It's this big honoring. It's this big moment. If you've watched Frozen 800 times with your kids like I have, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It is this most important time. It is this moment in, your, in the person's life where now they are becoming the ruler that they've always meant to be. And Christ gets a crown of thorns instead of the crown he so richly deserves. So I ask, what crown does your king wear? We're going to keep on coming back to this. And you might you're automatically think, well, my king, I don't have a king, I'm an American. If, if we uh, claim Christ as our Lord and Savior, he is our king. He is our ruler. But what crown do we give him? And so we're going to keep on coming back to that thought. Because as I thought about it this week, I think the answer sometimes is not one that I'd be proud of. What crown does your king wear? John 19, verse uh, 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, Excuse me. They shouted, crucify, crucify. And Pil- but Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he's claimed to be son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back into the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you f- refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And Pilate heard this. He brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat a place known as the Stone of Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was done at preparation of Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. What is going on? We've talked repeatedly in this, in this series about how Jesus is, what's going on in the triumphant entry. Jesus is coming into the city. And they are excited because here's this guy. He just raised Lazarus from the dead. He's fed the 5,000. What would be better than a military ruler who can feed his troops, heal his troops when they get hurt in battle, and raise them from the dead? This really decreases the casualty rate, right? What could be better? Woo! 
let's go. Let's follow Jesus. We're going to take on Rome. Let's do this. And by Friday, they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. What is going on? They have realized that he's not going to be the king that they wanted. And this is their action out of disappointment. This is action out of heartache. This is their action out of God not doing what they wanted him to do. Comes the chant, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The, Jesus, the Jews are, the Jewish people are full of disappointment with Jesus. So much so, they're ready to make a mockery of him and who he is. When the crown of thorns was placed on Jesus' head and he was brought out as a trophy of a defeated king, the people should have rebelled in an instant. The anger should have been placed towards Rome. The heartache, the frustration should have boiled over towards Rome, but instead it's placed towards God. That heartache, that frustration, the, the years of torment from Rome doesn't go towards Pilate, who is the mouthpiece of Caesar in this place. It goes towards Jesus. It's real easy for me to get mad at the Jews at this time. But I ask myself, in my frustration with God, do I yell the same thing? What crown does my king wear? When things don't go my way, when things are are rough, when uh, God hasn't answered my beck and call, when he hasn't uh, responded to my texts the way I would like him to, where does the anger go towards? Should it be towards my situation in life? Should it be towards, I don't know, the mistakes that I've made? It's a lot easier sometimes, I think, to blame God that he hasn't done what we wanted him to do. What crown does your king wear? See, in our, I think sometimes we make our crown and we make our Lord something else. And I think we're all guilty of this in some way, in some facet, in some form. We fall into, okay, well, well, we'll deal with this and we'll take control of this and we'll deal with it in our, in our cheating and our lying and our stealing and in our integrity issues. We, we mask it and alcoholism and drugs. We let that be our crown and let that be our king instead of the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the king of all humanity, the king of the universe. We let that be the ruler of our lives. And so the king of the universe, instead of getting the proper due and the proper attention that we should give him, gets the crown of thorns. Whereas where we give all of our attention and all of our money and all of our effort and all of our time and all of our talent is to getting the very things that will never give us any sort of reward. I fall into it. You fall into it. But what that does, what that does to God is, is taking off the golden crown or the crown of purpose or place that he has deserved and we give him that thing, the dishonor of it. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. 
Finally, Pilate handed them over to be crucified. I wonder where in my life, when the holiness of God and when God's calling me to a better life and calling me to a better place and calling to me a place of peace and calling me to a place of freedom, am I like, no, 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 take him away, take him away, take him away. I'm perfectly comfortable in my sin right now. I'm perfectly comfortable in the place that I am, in my perfect little world, in the world that I can control, the world that I'm trying to, you know, I've got all these things. I've got puppets on a string and no one can mess with my world. Take him away. Get rid of him. Because if we look inside ourselves, oh, I don't do that. Think about it. Maybe it's in small places. Maybe it's in big things in your life. What crown are we giving our king? From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. Now here's what's going on. There's a backstory to uh, the Christian, or to Passover week. It's a backstory to Pilate. Pilate's got some problems. Pilate is a up and coming. He wants to be probably a senator in Rome. He wants to be a, a, a huge political factor. And one of the ways in which he's going through the ladder of political stuff is he is out this outpost in Palestine. He's kind of doing his tour of duty so he can get promoted through the ranks. You do good out there in the in the uh, the hills. You do out, out there in the frontier country, you can come back and get a more prestigious post later in life. Does that make sense? That's, that's what Pilate's kind of just serving a sentence. Um, and, and in that, well, early on in Pilate's career, he doesn't really even spend time in Jerusalem. He doesn't like it there. He's always hanging out in a place called Caesarea Maripatima, which is a, a harbor, harbor town in the north of Israel. And um, it, he just, he's up there. It's really nice. Been there. It's gorgeous, actually. Uh, it's got a nice, uh, natu- or has, they built an amphitheater there, and um, where Herod the Great did, and it's got its own circus, and you can have your old chariot races on the weekend, whatever you want to do, you know, ancient drag racing right there for you. And so you've got, even then, they were only turning left. You know, NASCAR on Sundays, he's still doing the same thing. <laughs> I wonder if Jimmy would fall asleep in five seconds of the chariot race. Uh, so... You've got, he, he is hanging out, having a good time, having a party up there. But what happens is he's like, oh, I'm going to show. Just like sometimes a new, new person in town, maybe you've had a new boss. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack down. I'm going to be mean. I'm going to put my a boot on their neck. And he's like, okay, we're going to have the eagle standard in the Temple Mount. And he, I can't remember um, if he sacrificed a pig on the altar. But he did some bad stuff, okay? The eagle stand it, the, on the Temple Mount. Now, if you're a Jew and there's a pig being sacrificed on your altar and, Jew, and pigs are unclean, you can see how that is a, a kind of an affront, um, and they didn't take very kindly to it. So what happened is a bunch of religious leaders, thousands of religious leaders all over the country, gathered and went on a hunger strike in, at the circus in the middle of, you know, Joliet NASCAR Stadium. They, they're sitting there, and they are uh, on a hunger strike. And Pilate's like, oh, man, because if I kill these people, everybody's going to rebel. This is like first month in office, okay? Bad day. And so he, he's stuck in between a rock and a hard place here. And everybody else that's there, all the, the people who are under Pilate, who are 
urging for their own little political gains, other places in the kingdom are all like getting on Twitter and saying, oh, Caesar, did you know what, what he did? There was no Twitter back then. Um, but they're the same thing. They're sending letters out and saying, Pilate's messing it up. Shame, shame, shame. You gave him this assignment and he's mucking it up. And so Pilate has to bend to the, uh, to the religious leader's will on this. And he takes the eagle standard out and um, lets them all go back home. Well, he actually, I think, has to flee Israel for a while. When he comes back, Rome's like, hey, listen, you screw up again. And when they went, that didn't mean you were fired. That meant, all right? So there's some bad stuff going on here. So Pilate's now under the pressure. And so for the rest of his, he's not there for very long. As you can imagine, his rule's not going very well. But he, he's not there for very long. But just like in your job, the boss comes to you and says, hey, you mess up one more time, you're done. You're not very productive. That's not a very good motivation technique, right? You're like, oh, he's got pins and he's, I can't be creative. I can't problem solve. I can't do anything. I'm just, I'm paralyzed with fear of I don't want to get, especially when it really means you're going to get killed. Uh, that is a bad thing, right? And so that's what Pilate is dealing with. And so he's going, guys, don't you want, like, four days ago, he's confused. Four days ago, you were all shouting this guy's name, having a good old time. Don't you want him back? No, crucify. Wait a second. Four days ago, you, you thought, I thought I was going to have a rebellion on my hands from this guy. And he's, you're throwing a party for him. And now you want me to kill him. One plus one plus... He's like, I just can't win. Do you understand the, 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 the situation? He's also got his wife saying, don't kill Jesus. And he's like... But I got to, <laughs> so, because they're going to kill me. Maybe that was a, I don't know, maybe that was a way she was trying to off him. I don't know, but um, Roman government intrigue is fun. But that's what Pilate's going on. So you can see, and we don't get to hear that. That's not in the scripture. That's um, outside of <clears throat> what's historically what's going on there. And so you place that filter on what's going on in the scripture. I think it adds more layers to what's going on in the Jesus story. Is that Pilate is put in a position where he has to, and he's trying to get out of it um, hands-free. But it's funny. Pilate, to me, is one of the, almost a good guy in the story. He's the representative of Rome. He's the bad, evil empire. He is Darth Vader in this story, and he's playing the good guy. You see the problem with this? The Jews, the very people who have over and over and over in all history, if you read the Bible, the men's groups are going through Judges. And every five seconds, the people screw up, and then they go, God, give us a Savior, give us a King, bring, help us, help us, help us, help us. And God does. Over and over, that's the whole Old Testament, just over and over. We screwed up, we need to deliver. We screwed up, we need to deliver. The people are in the middle of screaming out to God, we messed up, Rome's taken over, we need a deliverer. And when the deliverer comes, they're like, ah, we don't want that one, put it back. Crucify him. Put a crown of thorns on him. This is, this is what's going on. So Rome has now become the good guy in the, in the story and the Jews, the bad. This is not right, people. I think we do that in our own way. Have you ever gotten an answer from God and you're like, ah, let's put that one back. I don't want that one. <laughs> right? We, uh, <laughs> we're talk- Jimmy and I were talking about someone who's wants to be a ministry, and they're like, I'll never live in this place, in this place, in this place. Like, You'll live in that place if God calls you to that place. 
It was funny because, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want that one, God. Yeah, you're supposed to move. Nah. I have a, um, our church has just started uh, sponsoring a missionary in South Dakota. I'm really excited about this because uh, she's one of my uh, former students um, from a church in Kalamazoo, and she's a missionary in South Dakota on the, uh, I can't remember the, uh, the tribe. Uh, no, it's not, but that's okay. Um, it's a, uh, it's a, a reservation out there, and she's working with kids and their parents about all kinds of things. Um, uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna sponsor her, and we might have her come by and, and talk to us about all the stuff that she's doing. And I'm really excited about that. But let me tell you something about Emily. Emily never would have found herself going to South Dakota on a mission trip in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota. What? Right? That's not. No, you want to be a missionary, at least get a tropical assignment, right? You're gonna be a missionary. I'm feeling. I'm feeling Tahiti is a good calling. Right, but no, she gets South Dakota, where it's hotter than heck in the in the summer and colder than cold in the winter. Like, I'm sorry, Emily, <laughs> but God called her to that. What does she what does what does she do if God's if she says, "Now, nah, God, can I throw that one back and going for Grand Cayman?" Right? And God would be like, "Well, you weren't obedient in this one. Why would I be what? No." I think that sometimes that's that's taking those crowns and saying, "No, God, God, God." God. I'm in charge here. This is the crown you get. Now, pull the lever. Can I get a different one, please? That's in the missionary sense, but we do that all the time in our own lives. God, I don't want to talk to that person about you. I don't want to invite that person to... Um, what if that person actually comes to church? You ever had that feeling that God prompts you? It's like, invite that person to church. You're like, then I'd have to sit by him. Come on now. Right? What crown are you placing on your king's head? A crown of thorns is a crown that hurts and cuts. A real crown is one that offers submission and control. Think about what that is for God and what, where you're at in your relationship with God. Which of those are you placing? A real crown is one that offers submission and and control. How do we offer submission and control to God? How is he Lord of our life? How is he dictating our steps? Are we fighting every time with it? You guys ever, uh, I only did this once to my kids. We thought it'd be a good idea. It really wasn't. But uh, since we had twins, we were always looking for ways to control them when they were toddlers and walking. You ever have like the bear pack, like it has a leash on it? It's like the same thing as your dog leash and you can click the button and your little kid's like flying backwards towards you. It's really, it's not so much fun with twins because the lines get crossed and then they start like, why are they turning blue? Oh, the lines crossed around their head. Um, It's way more applicable for Labradors instead of human children, uh, by the way. But have you ever tried that? I don't know. You don't have to admit it by a show of hands, but I know you did. Uh, I will have tried it once at the aquarium. Bad idea. But the thing, oh, it's bad. But I, I thought I just, in my head, I was thinking about this is what our conversation with God is. Those kids are always trying to, no, I'm, I'm taking you where you need to be. What, but that's the, the fish is over here. The beautiful things, you're going towards the bathroom for no reason. It's shiny. I know, Bowen, but it's okay. You know, like, what are you doing? And I think that's when we put a crown of thorns on our, on our, 
on, on God's head. It's, it's the kind of thing. I'm trying to take control of it. Now I'm going to go over here because it looks pretty. Yeah, but God's creation is over here. The wonders of my, of my world is over here. Look at this. It's the biggest whale shark in captivity right there. Bowen, turn around. Bowen. Where's the place for him at the aquarium? In my arms. Right? Because he's too short. It's right here. He can't, can't see all God's beauty. Only in the arms of his father can he see the beauty that, has, that God has created. Only in the arms of God can you see all that he has created. And so often we're just running to the next shiny thing. Getting our lines crossed. Wrapping it around our neck. A crown of thorns says, I'm really in charge, and you are not. A real crown says, you truly are God and Lord of my life. What crown do you place on your king's head? A crown of thorns says that I am important, and a real crown says, God, you are important. So what happens when we don't take Jesus seriously. We mock him. When we continue to sin, after we've even asked him in our life, when we've asked him to cleanse us, we just mock the sacrifice that he's making. And that's what this thing represents to me, is that it's a mockery of who Jesus is. That in this moment, at the, at the darkest time in, in Jesus' when he's abandoned by everybody, Peter had just abandoned him, now the whole populace has abandoned him. It's a mockery. And I want to look deep inside of our own hearts to think, do I do the same to God? This is something that was wrestling with this week. As I was thinking of control issues, so I, was thinking, I think that's a huge part of this whole thing. If I give God control of my life, then I don't have control of my life. And that's scary for lots of us. That's scary for lots of the people in this room. But Jared, you don't understand. I have every minute of every day planned out. I have control. The planner, it, you know, I have it. It's color-coded. It's beautiful. We have control of all that. But when we give it to God, he might mess up that planner. He might mess up my color-codedness. If he is to be king of all, then you can't be king of it. There's only one king. If he is to be king of all, then you cannot be king of it. That's a tough pill to swallow, I think. But we, when we try to be king of it, we keep on working, we keep on doing things, we keep on you know, striving, but it's kind of like running on a treadmill. You're working really hard, but you're not going anywhere. And the things in your life and the things that we, uh, we struggle with, and I fall into this, this is maybe just a message to Jared, but when we keep on trying to do things, you keep on trying to do things in our own power, in our own control, and we're like, oh, it's okay, God, I got this. Go away, God, I got this. It's like Bowen with Legos. I can build this airplane. I'm like, but, okay. It's pretty close, but it still doesn't fly. It's Legos, right? What is the purpose? What is the point of all that? Why don't we give it to a king who can do something about it? Why don't we give it to a king who can do something about it? Why don't we give it to a king who can do something about it? 
Think about the issue in your life, the stuff that maybe God's perked on your heart and perked in your mind this morning and you've kind of been rumbling around, rattling around in your head. Why don't we give it to a king who can do something about it? Do I place a crown of thorns on him who saves me? At the end of the day, is Christ the center of my life or is he an afterthought? See, this crown of thorns symbolize what it is to make Jesus a mascot instead of a king. It symbolizes making Jesus a rah-rah mascot instead of a king. As the band comes up to play one final song, we're going to sing a song called Cornerstone. And what, that thing, what, I, what I kept on coming back to this week is, is God really the center of our lives? Is he the basis in which we build all the rest of it? Because where we place our crown is where we get our orders from. In feudal times, in medieval times, the feudal way it works, whatever the king wanted, it just flowed over his head. That's what happened. If he wanted this, then everybody made it happen. It comes out of a crown of thorns or it comes out of a, of a kingly crown of all humanity. So today as we're, we're singing Cornerstone, as we're thinking about that, who is the basis of our life? Where are we? What is our foundational stone? That all else is based off. Is it the pursuit of money? Is it the pursuit of happiness? Is it a pursuit of a, a temporary thing? Is it pursuit of just a good marriage? Is it pursuit of, uh, of good kids? What is the pursuit about? What is our cornerstone? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And thank you for this opportunity to worship you. God, thank you for all that you do in us. God, I don't understand this crown of thorns. I don't get it. I don't know what its purpose was, and I, I just don't like it, and I hate that you went through it. And God, I'm sorry if I've placed a crown of thorns on your head. Today, I make the decision to give you the crown that you deserve. Today and all days forward, God, I, I want you to be king of my life and, and Lord of my actions. That you number my steps. That you plan my days. God, we love you. We praise your name.